0: All right, it is time for another edition of Hotspot Hamilton. Bill Kelly and I do this every Tuesday and Thursday of late. And of course, uh, as Hamilton is turning the corner, the renaissance, lots of great things happening. Uh, we're trying to look at how it affects different aspects of the city. Uh, today, going to talk about transportation, uh, specifically LRT. And joining us to have the discussion, Andrew Hope is with us, uh, Director of Hamilton Light Rail Transit, Links, and in the studio and with us now. Thanks for coming in, Andrew. I appreciate this.
1: Thanks, Scott. Glad to be here. You
0: know, I would think that you'd come in running, sweating, and people chasing you, and all this sort of thing, and and you know, your hat, your coat half torn off, and such. But it seems like things are calming down a bit, or are we just getting exhausted?
1: Well, Scott, it's a good question. It's certainly been a, an interesting ride over the last year or two on this project. Lots, lots of passion, lots of uh, interest from all different angles on this project, and. Uh, You know, as part of the project team uh, at Metrolinx, working closely with our our partners at the city, our job is really to just keep our head down and keep moving and and keep the project moving along. Uh, Give us an
0: update. What is happening now? Where are we? We've had this discussion forever, as you said. There's been, you know, uh, comments from both sides. Uh, but we're still pre-shovels in the ground. So what's going on now? What's happening behind the scenes?
1: Sure. So, so we've been, for the first couple of years after the project funding was announced, the big focus of, of the work <coughs> we were doing, uh, both at Metrolinks and with the city, was getting ourselves through the Environmental Assessment Addendum process, mm-hmm. which is really getting our environmental approval so that we can actually move forward to construction on the project. So uh, we did uh, receive approval from the Ministry of the Environment and Climate Change in August for the Environmental uh, Assessment Addendum. And now we're moving on into what we call the procurement phase, which is the uh, the process of actually hiring the uh, consortium uh, that will be hired to design, build, and finance the project and, and get the shovels in the ground by 2019, which is our construction target.
0: How difficult is that challenge? I mean, uh, you've got different companies who are bidding for this project, uh, things like cost, but you also want it done right. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you find the balance here?
1: Well, a big thing in this is we'll go through... Uh, the good thing, we're not inventing the path here. We, mm-hmm. the, the nice thing for this project yeah. is we're actually the, uh, the the fifth of five LRT projects that are being built across the province. We've got Ottawa, Waterloo, and two projects in uh, Toronto, Eglinton, Crosstown, and Finch. So we don't have to uh, start with a blank piece of paper. We are following along on uh, the process that those projects have used to, for procurement and for construction and, and building. And uh, and and one of the advantages for us is we get we have, we have the advantage we're sort of in the catbird seat. we yeah. get to learn from what worked and from, didn't work on yeah. those projects and apply those lessons to this project.
0: So what have what have you learned? What 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 can you take from these projects being fifth?
1: Well, one of the things we can take is uh, you know what goes into the mix when you're actually procuring the project. So there's been a bunch of different models that have been used in these projects. Certain components I- in the project, certain components out. And one of the things that we'll be doing here in Hamilton is the constructor will be responsible for building the project, financing it, um, uh, final design of the project, and also securing vehicles for the project. So that'll be part of what they're responsible for delivering as part of the project. As as you may know, uh, we have run into some challenges on some of the other projects in getting vehicles on time. I know Waterloo's Mm. experiencing some issues with this, so that's an example of a good lesson learned for us. Uh, that responsibility will be on the project uh, proponent to deliver those vehicles. Bombardier than, in charge of that? Well, it'll uh, we'll go through a bidding process uh, to see who who will provide.
0: How do you those balance vehicles? that? Because you want to buy Canadian, but obviously there's problems and issues there. I mean, you know, if you get them from another part of the world, uh, you're opening yourself up to backlash.
1: Well, one of the things that's, that's helpful for us in this regard is the the province has policies in place that we have to follow. So right. one of those is a 25 percent Canadian content rule for for vehicle suppliers for any any vehicle that's used for these projects. So regardless of whether it's Bombardier or Alstom or Hitachi or any other uh, uh, vehicle supplier out there, Siemens, they will be, re- be required to, to meet that 25% Canadian content. Um
0: uh, you talked about uh, uh, the person uh, p- procuring the the people who are going to build this and such. A big issue has been running it, mm-hmm. and the HSR has you know there's there's unions there that w- that want to be a part of this. How has this helped, hurt? How does this add another challenge to the discussion?
1: Yeah, so so back in the summer uh, there was a debate at City Council about this, and Council did pass a motion asking us to consider having HSR operate uh, and maintain. I believe was the wording of the motion. So. We're now in the process. We're we're considering that motion. That would be a, a, a quite a change from the way we had been planning the project. We had been planning to. The other areas aren't doing it that way. Well, it, it depends. Waterloo is, is the consortium will operate and maintain it as well as build it. Right. In Ottawa and Toronto, uh, the consortium will build it and maintain it, but the local agencies, the TTC in Toronto right. and OC Transpo in Ottawa, will operate it. Right. So there's a variety of models and sort of al- along this. How do you make that decision? Well, it uh, there's lots of different reasons in in. Toronto Toronto, for example, one of the arguments in favor of having TTC operate the, the line was you're really building on an existing rapid uh, yeah, transit network. Yeah. They're already there. They mm-hmm. had the experience running and operating it, so it made a lot of sense to uh, to have them operate it. Waterloo took a bit of a different take. They said, well, you know, this is a new service for us. We're introducing it into the community for the first time. Um, they, they they wanted to have that expertise of an outside party to operate it and run it. Ottawa is sort of somewhere in the middle. They didn't have extensive LRT experience, but they did decide to keep that operations in-house with OC Transpo. So there's a lot of different models. Mm. And, uh, and I are, guess every city different, right? Every city a little bit different, depending on the context.
0: Uh, the advantages of having one owner-operator are...
1: Uh, having In, in terms no. of having one constructor and on. operator. Owner-operator is the wrong
0: choice of words here. But, yeah, having the person who constructs it operate it. What's well, the advantages to I that? I think,
1: uh, again, as I say, it depends on the context of the project. But the one advantage we saw with that model is that the um, – Basically, you're asking someone to design, build, finance, operate, and maintain it for a a long period of time. So So you know, invested in it. You know that you're building this thing. You can't just throw the keys on the desk when it's done and walk away. You're there to run it for the next, uh, you know, twenty, thirty years. So, so that incents high quality design and construction.
0: Uh, Is there happy mediums here between the HSR? Will this will our situation be as different as the other ones? Maybe
1: there's definitely uh, options, as I said, um, uh, you know, f- short of going to the full design, build, finance, operate, maintain. Um, uh, as I mentioned, the Ottawa and Toronto examples where they did have the local operator operate it, so we're looking at that. Um, we're in discussions with the province on, uh, on how we can respond to Council's motion in a meaningful way.
0: How is Kitchener-Waterloo, uh, obviously it's tough to compare Ottawa and in Toronto and such, how is Kitchener-Waterloo different or the same than what, ha- what Hamilton is running?
1: Well, actually, when I think of all the LRT projects that are, are being built, Waterloo, actually, there's a lot of similarities between it. Mm-hmm. Uh, ju- just, you know, take take who operates it out of it. it, it even just the design and, and, and the type of environment that the LRT is running through. Right. So you have an LRT in, in Waterloo that runs from... Uh, Um, uh, Fairview Mall in the south end of Kitchener, through downtown Kitchener, through downtown Waterloo, and then out to um, uh, Conestoga Mall at the north end. Mm -hmm. Um, So it runs through uh, some areas that are very similar to what we're facing uh, going through downtown Hamilton, and and then other streets and and things like that that we have to work to accommodate the LRT with them. Uh, So uh,
0: what are the questions that are still being, what are the concerns? What are people still upset about?
1: Well, you know, anytime you're building a project of this magnitude and size and and you're going to have a construction period of about, you know, four years is Mm -hmm. what we're looking at here, there's bound to be, you know, people will be concerned. We we have lots of uh, uh, people along the corridor, business owners, residents who, you know, uh, understandably so, want to know how this is going to work during construction, how will people get to my business, how will... uh, how will I get through this process? So that's something we've uh, been working very closely on to try and learn from other projects. How can we uh, help businesses through this? How can we support them? And and the lesson we hear loud and clear from the other projects is get started early and get information out there to people. Mm. And that's what we've been focusing on doing, uh, including a, a series that we're running with the uh, Hamilton Chamber of Commerce and local BIAs along the route. Uh, called LRT Ready, and this is a four-part workshop uh, uh, that we've been we've been providing to to help business owners uh, connect with uh, people who've been through this before on other projects, and also have lessons learned about. Uh, how to connect with your uh, your uh, customers during this uh, this this period of disruption during construction, and
0: that's something that I remember talking to Waterloo that they they didn't jump on until construction started, and they were uh, actually crediting Hamilton and in, in what you're doing now to you know learning from those sorts of, of challenges. And
1: stuff. Absolutely, and I should I should mention also that the third in that series is actually tonight at Homewood Suites uh, mm-hmm. from six to eight p.m., hosted by the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce and focused on online business retention strategies.
0: Do you think? Uh, uh, do you think that you're changing minds, Andrew, or do you think that it's either you're in the camp or you're out of the camp? Or
1: well, I think there's there's probably fairly staunch camps on either side. We mm-hmm. know there are a, a lot of people who are very supportive of this project and see it as a real piece of the puzzle for helping Hamilton grow and, and manage growth going forward in the future as the city grows to a city of seven hundred, eight hundred thousand 800,000 people over the next 25 to 30 years. And we also know there are people that we won't be able to change their minds. They They, they don't See the value in this project. They don't personally see how they would uh, use the project, use the LRT when it's in service, and that's that's natural. That happens, I think, on any major project like this. So, I think what what our role is is the project team is just to make sure people have the facts and mm-hmm. understand what's happening, when it's happening, and then work with people to try and resolve uh, issues as much as we can through the design of the project. Uh,
0: are you uh, obviously you're addressing things through uh, these meetings uh, with the Chamber of Commerce? We've had them on before about these. Are is it the same people at these meetings?
1: Are you finding you're answering the same sort of questions? All of these are different, are they not? They're all different, and they're open to anybody who wants to attend. Any business owner that that wants to come and learn. So I think we've had different uh, 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 business that business representatives want mm-hmm. owners show up at the various uh, meetings that we've had so far. Uh, they're free. Anyone can attend, and uh, and really, it's a it's a mix of people who come. But I think they've found them helpful, as is, is the feedback we're getting. Uh, what will construction look like? So, constructional will, uh, as I said, we're aiming to have construction start in 2019 and have the LRT in service by 2024. How does it start? How does it start? Does it go from one end to the other? Does yeah. it go in stages? That's a question we get, and that's something we're really working with the city on right now to try and set the parameters for the ultimate schedule for how this gets built. <laughs> yeah, will be really. pro- will be proposed. Will be part of the bidding process. They'll tell yeah. us, the bi- proponents will tell us how they want to build it where. But what we're setting is the rules of the game. So uh we're looking uh across the corridor and dividing it up into segments and mm. what we don't want is the whole tor- corridor right. ripped up end to end for 4 years we want to Get pieces of it completed and back up in service and open to traffic uh, as quickly as we can to minimize the disruption.
0: That being said, once the LRT starts, will it run from beginning to end, or will it start halfway? No, it'll
1: it'll open as a complete system complete. right, right from finished. Finaster master to Eastgate.
0: Yeah. Uh, what uh, we, we've talked about this off air, uh, maybe you can elaborate more on air. Uh, what happened to the link between the GO station and LRT? Uh, when we were first discussing this uh, and the B line moving east to west, uh, no one really talked about joining it with GO in any way until Kathleen Wynne showed up with the money, and then it was, it's got to join to GO, which makes sense. If it doesn't link to your transit system, your major transit system, what's the sense of having it? It, it, Otherwise, it's just an internal thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was excited to see that. Then it's sort of been watered down and gone. So
1: how are you convinced you're going to link the GO to LRT? So you're right, Scott. The the project did go through a, a few twists and turns along the way through the environmental process uh, assessment process. There was a, uh, when the when the project funding was announced, a cons- the concept of a we called it an A line spur running up James Street North to connect mm-hmm. with the West Harbor Station. This is partly why you go through all this detailed design and effort uh, and ridership modeling and everything else to help you shape the project. When we got into looking at that in a little more detail. Um, Uh, And then there was the debate about getting out to Eastgate instead of stopping it at Queenston Circle. So there's trade-offs that had to be made. But essentially what happened was we looked at that line in a a lot more detail and building that little segment on its own uh, didn't seem to make a lot of sense given the ridership numbers we were seeing. Uh, I think... If you look at the long term uh, rapid transit plan for the city, the city's blast network and our regional transportation plan, uh, we do identify uh, uh, eventually building an A-line that would connect uh, West Harbour, that West Harbour GO station, the LRT, and then up onto the mountain and out to the airport. But building just that one little piece of it didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense uh, when we looked at that in a little bit more detail. What about the
0: connectivity, though, and does not it mean does that mean that Go riders aren't using LRT and LRT riders aren't using Go?
1: No. So the LRT along King Street is uh, a few blocks away from the, the Hamilton Go Center, which is where we envision um, all-day Go service starting initially. Uh, so that's about a two- to three-minute walk. And what we're focused on uh, within the scope of this particular project is making that connection uh, along Houston C- Street that pedestrian connection is comfortable easy and intuitive as possible so en- enhanced wayfinding enhanced pedestrian realm to make that a comfortable Is it connection. strictly pre- will it strictly be pedestrian Initially it will be pedestrian and I think as I said in the longer term when that A line piece gets built that right. will directly connect in with the uh, the Go station
0: Uh, uh, when you see this slowly starting to, to move forward, um, it's a massive project and, and just even talking to you now, there's so many different things that are involved. How do you keep two or three steps ahead of everything? So you don't put something in the ground and go, Oh, I didn't want that there. Absolutely. I mean, f- it's like building a house. Oh, it
1: is. It's like building a, a, a big, a, it's a like renovating giant. a really old house in, yeah. s- in some ways when you think about <laughs> yeah, it. Because that's a good point. Yeah. one of the big challenges is is uh, dealing with the utilities and the infrastructure that's already in the ground right now. So a big part of uh, what we do to prepare for a construction project like this is, is, is due diligence. So we've had teams out in the corridor for the last year. Uh, doing what we call subsurface utility investigations, trying to pinpoint exactly what's under the road, where are they, how deep is it, so we understand exactly what we're dealing with, what needs to move to accommodate the LRT, what are ground conditions like, soil conditions, all of that kind of stuff, so that we know that before we start construction and we find anything uh, hidden uh, that maybe we wouldn't have been aware of before we open up the road.
0: We talk about it being an older city, uh, water mains, this sort of thing, infrastructure, whatever's under there, who knows. Uh, Is this a good
1: chance to refurb all that? Absolutely one of the uh, one of the side mm-hmm. benefits. you know, my focus is is obviously on getting the lRT built and up and running, but definitely one of the the um, ancillary benefits of building a project like this is that we do need to move and relocate and rebuild a lot of the existing infrastructure that's under the road and above the ground, too, sidewalks, roads, curbs, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, so that is a big, actually probably the biggest part of the project is getting that stuff built and uh, and moved, putting the uh, LRT tracks. Yeah, there, laying the act, lines. It's easy. almost like the icing on the cake <laughs> yeah, once you get yeah. the cake made. It's like painting a house. Yeah. The hard part's the prep you got to do ahead exactly. of time. They actually brush. all the scraping and the exactly the, yeah, yeah. the yeah.
0: brush parts mm-hmm. uh, easier. Um, why is this good for the city, people? I, and I'm st- I read emails to you right now. I get you know stuff on Facebook and Twitter. We can't afford this. The money should be better spent other ways the ridership isn't there, this,
1: uh, yeah. why are we building this? So uh, I guess I'd go back to the, the planning for this project is has been going on for a number of years. For over 10 years, both the city and MetroLink have been working to advance it to get us to the point where we are now, where we can build it. And there's a number of reasons for that. LRT, just uh, speaking generally about the benefits of it, it pr- it'll provide a reliable service, uh, frequent service, trains every six minutes during, uh, during the peak periods and that reliability is really the key because the LRT will operate in its own Mm -hmm. right of way along the road so it won't be caught up in mixed traffic and things like that. And that's really important as your city grows over the next uh, 25, 30 years and inevitably traffic congestion and other things start to happen, that LRT will continue to operate reliably in its own right of way and provide that high level of service. LRT vehicles, uh, uh, the other big advantage is just sheer capacity, they can move a lot of people Efficiently. So, a, an, an LRT vehicle at crush period can handle up to about 200 people per vehicle. What about slowing
0: those. traffic? Streetcars. People have just called them glamorized streetcars.
1: Yep. We hear, we hear uh, the comparison with streetcars a lot. And I'm Which not is to, absolutely nuts. I'm not here to, to comment on whether streetcars are good or bad. I, I did live in Toronto for yeah. a period of time. I lived on I did, Queen Street. No. yeah, yeah, yeah I, used I, the, I used the streetcar all the time. But the, I, I would say the major distinction between the streetcars on King or Queen Street in Toronto and this is that the LRT will not be operating in mixed traffic. It will yeah. operate in its own right-of-way. So,
0: so it's not doors open, everyone's got to stop and exactly. that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about the city in general and this project? The timing of where the city is, uh, sort of a renaissance, turning the corner. We often thought that it was a big project like this that mm-hmm. would that would uh, turn the city around when really it's just another spoke in the wheel sort of thing. Talk about the timing of all of this.
1: Well, that's something I, I've thought about a lot because I, I think that's one of the key advantages we have here is is this is the perfect time to start building your rapid transit network out. The city's poised for great growth over the... it's already starting, you mm-hmm. can see the redevelopment happening along the corridor and downtown, and this will just just, just help to, uh, to, to build on that. And if you look around the GTA, um, you know, you look at Toronto and Mississauga and places where we're now trying to sort of retrofit yeah. uh, rapid transit and when they already have uh, massive congestion problems and growth, we can be ahead of the curve here and get oh. this infrastructure in place before... Uh, The city's facing some of those similar concerns.
0: Yeah, good thing to uh, close the door before the uh, barn door before the horse takes off. Uh, Andrew Hope has been with us, director of Hamilton Light Rail Transit, Metrolinx, uh, another edition of Hotspot Hamilton. Andrew, thanks so much for the clarity and the information. Much appreciated. Happy to be here, Scott.